Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. Hope you had a good weekend. It was the first weekend of lockdown three and it's Monday, January the 11th. And lockdown is actually where we're going to start off today because figures given to Kent Online show that many more children are going to school this time around compared to the first lockdown that started last March. It's thought as many as 20,000 youngsters were in classrooms last week compared to just 5,000 last spring. But the County Council did a snapshot survey of school attendance last Wednesday and found an average of 18% of primary school pupils were going into class. One school even reported an attendance of 44% of the 490 schools out of 600 that responded to their survey. We found that attendance in secondary schools was around only 2% and 33% in special schools. Well, schools were closed again to try and reduce the spread of coronavirus, but the number of key workers who can let their children attend has been changed since last year. David Whitehead is the chief exec of the Potential in Everyone Academy Trust, which oversees 10 primary schools in the east of the county. He's been chatting about this to Lucy. Whereas in, in the first lockdown, it was uh, anywhere between sort of 5 and 10% attendance and, and re- realistically nearer to 5%. Um, this time it's uh, averaging between 25 and 45% in each of our schools at the moment. And what kind of challenge does that pose for you as a head teacher with organising staff to be in there and potentially putting them at risk if if those children might have the virus and they pick it up? Yeah, it's it's really difficult. Um, before Christmas, uh, we had really high um, uh, rates of infection across our schools. We had to close two of our schools for, for two weeks, had many bubbles bursting. And um, with the numbers still high in our schools at the moment in terms of pupils attending, we've already closed two bubbles within the last week in two of our schools. So uh, the, the risks are still there at the moment, um, albeit that the numbers are obviously slightly reduced from having uh, having the full numbers of children in school. But it's adding extra pressures on the on the teaching staff as well, because, uh, of course, as well as teaching on site face to face, they're also producing remote learning uh, education resources for all the children that are learning from home. So. In effect, it is doubling workload for the teachers. Why do you think it is that more children are going into class this time around? Um, I I think, honestly, um, that the the lockdown messaging has not been very clear. Um, I think uh, there have been obviously several quite high profile incidents within government where rules haven't been followed. And I think that's had a, a bit of an impact on the public at large. Um, this time, there doesn't seem to be the, 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 the greater depth of financial packages that are being offered to support people that aren't able to go into work as there was before. Um, I, I think people people are worried about losing their jobs, etc, uh, etc. Et and that's leading to people, um, you know, classing themselves as critical workers where perhaps they didn't before and, and therefore using the schools uh, for attendance. But over the weekend, the messaging has really changed from the government again uh, and really urging people to think very carefully if they need to send their children into schools. Um, so, you know, we'll see what impact that has this week. Do you think there should be more limits on which children can go in? And like you say, who is classed as a critical worker and whether, you know, children with special educational needs can go in and that sort of thing? I think the, the the critical worker list does 
need looking at, although I, I guess it's a little bit too late now if parents are, you know, committing to, to sending their children in. Um, I think it's really down to the parents to think carefully whether they do need um, this provision, especially if perhaps it's only one parent who's a critical worker and the other parent isn't, because at the moment, the rules say that if one parent is a critical worker, they, they can apply for a place in the school. Um, but, you know, we know of situations where there are children being sent in and, you know, there are parents at home who could possibly be looking after the children. So, yes, a review of that list would be really useful. In terms of vulnerable children, there's a whole spectrum to vulnerability with children. Um, we are, of course, absolutely committed to, to uh, you know, taking the greatest care of our most vulnerable children. Um, but again, there are some children that have got EHCPs, for example, and their class is vulnerable. And actually, they would be perfectly uh, able to to learn from home and very safely be able to learn from home um, with our sort of careful uh, assistance and, and just monitoring that they are, um, you know, responding to the work that's being set. So I think I think both lists do need a little bit of reviewing if we are going to bring down the, the numbers um, so the lockdown will have the impact that the government wants it to have. You can let us know what you think by commenting on the story and also taking part in our poll. Staying with COVID news and latest figures show a big rise in coronavirus cases in Kent in the week before Boris Johnson announced the third national lockdown. Almost 15,500 people tested positive in the seven days to last Tuesday. That's an increase of 11%. Gravesham now has the highest infection rate in the county, followed by Dartford and Medway. They're all well above the national average. And the chief exec of Britain's oldest brewer, which is based in Faversham, is supporting calls today for the industry to have a dedicated government minister. There's a debate on it in Parliament after more than 200,000 people signed a petition online. Well, the industry has remained closed throughout the majority of the pandemic. It's been severely hit. Jonathan Neem of Shepherd Neem says the support they've had so far needs to continue to help them survive. I sincerely hope that the government also gets the message that uh, our sector, and I include um, uh, the wider leisure and tourism sector, needs a sustained investment in low VAT rates uh, and cancellation of business rates well into 2022, uh, because that is the greatest thing that is going to allow us to have a decent summer in 21, uh, to, 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 to keep jobs and to get investment going again. What we can't be is just sort of limp through the next 18 months as companies just sort of hanging on by our fingertips. We want investment to allow ourselves to get back to strength and health quickly. And of course, that will um, stimulate a lot more jobs in the future because the sector is very elastic at creating jobs, particularly for young people. Um, yeah, because I guess once, you know, the vaccine, uh, when we've got to a point where people, when we can get out of this situation, we can go back out again, it's going to be a case of, of rebuilding. I mean, that's going to have to happen as, as quickly as possible. Absolutely right. Um, you know, there's, there's a terrific amount that we want to do in our businesses and uh, um, whether it's developing our pubs or training our people, but we can't do that until uh, the business is sort of uh, secure and individual pubs are are secure and have restored their financial health. That's what we're all trying to do at this moment in time. Um, but our sector employs 3 million people, about 50% of them are under 25. We've got to think of the next generation. We've got to think of the opportunities that we can provide with the right support. And uh, that's really our ask to the government going forward is, A, 
let's get this vaccination done as quickly as possible. It's a community national effort. We can help. Other businesses can help. Let's all do it together. Let's put this behind us. And secondly, let's have a proper investment plan to stimulate jobs and investment and support the supply chain and everything in the sector that continues into 2022. There have been calls for a dedicated minister to, to kind of um, support your industry and give it more of a, a voice, I suppose, at a national level. Is that something you're, you're still supporting the idea of? Yes, we do support it. And we do feel very much as if um, uh, the measures that took place in the autumn uh, were, were, were unfair, uh, that we were being victimised as a sector. Uh, and there was no evidence or basis for picking us out or singling us out in that way. Um, the sector is very disparate, lots of small businesses, lots of different type of interests. And it does not appear as if uh, government really understands what we do and certainly what value we bring to society and to the economy. We are a very big and very important sector. And crucially, we are a world class sector. There is greater diversity uh, in our sort of uh, in, in everything that we do. Uh, and um, we're seen as a one of the most sort of exciting, creative, dynamic sectors in the world, and we shouldn't lose sight of that. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and at least 160 refugees risked their lives making the dangerous journey across the Channel to Kent in near freezing conditions over the weekend. UK authorities dealt with 10 small boats and some of the people on board are thought to have been brought to Dover. A border agency boat has also been active in the Channel today. It's emerged a grandfather who was knocked down and killed as he crossed a road in Tunbridge Wells was a London terror attack hero. A court's heard how 70-year-old Stephen Hilda helped victims on London Bridge in 2017, two years before he was hit by a Land Rover on Chapman Way. The driver, 56-year-old David Smith from Henwards Mount in Pem has avoided jail after admitting causing death by careless driving. A man's been arrested on suspicion of dangerous driving meantime after a Ferrari hit a pedestrian in Maidstone. The victim was treated by paramedics following the crash on Sutton Road yesterday afternoon. The car was left badly damaged. A 60-year-old from Gravesend has been questioned and released while detectives carry on investigating. Now, Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner has told the Kent Online podcast he's hopeful of recruiting more officers over the coming year. Matthew Scotts asked us recently if we'd be in favour of paying more towards the force via our council tax. Well, he's looking for us to contribute an extra £15 per year so another 145 police officers can be employed in the county. And he says a consultation has backed the plan. I'm pleased to say that the public has been broadly supportive, but absolutely right in asking the question, what do I get back for it? So um, the formal budget plan will be set out in the coming weeks um, and that will go to the police and crime panel for approval in the first week of February. I think there was always kind of that chat, wasn't there, that people wanted to see more bobbies on the beat, as it were, a very old fashioned kind of term. But do you think the, the level of policing now that people have kind of got that, they, they now do see more officers out and about and perhaps in that case, they are then more, they are happy to contribute a bit more because they're seeing their, the return for their cash, I suppose. I think that's very fair. And in the, the first three years of our uh, police uplift programme, um, Kent Taxpayer paid for 450 more police officers, um, which was a massive recruitment. And they did go into doing some of the jobs that residents wanted them to see doing. That includes the 
town centre policing teams coming back, doubling the size of the rural policing team, increasing the size of the roads policing team as well. So all things people would expect to directly see and actually things they asked for. So they did actually, it actually shows that filling out my consultations does make a big, big difference. Um, in, the, uh, in the years since, obviously the government have contributed more money to policing again, which has enabled us to do, recruit even more. More police now in Kent than we've, we've ever had and only going to increase further. So what the chief and I will discuss is, is how those officers will contribute towards my policing priorities. I'll again continue to make the case for visibility, for neighbourhood policing, for catching criminals and supporting the vulnerable. Uh, and I think it's definitely a plan that residents will be able to get behind again. Kent Online reports. It's feared parts of Canterbury could suffer flooding unless the River Stour is cleared of debris. It burst its banks 20 years ago and again in 2014 following spells of heavy rain. Well, now campaigners are calling for fallen trees, vegetation and silt to be removed so it doesn't happen again. The Environment Agency says clearance work is being done. Some good news if you live in Medway, you should soon be able to get faster internet. Work's underway on a full fibre network, which will reach almost every home and business in the towns. It's hoped improving broadband speed will boost productivity and make it easier to work from home. A charity near Canterbury is warning the animals they look after could starve unless they get more donations. The Sheep Ahoy Rescue Centre relies on things like fruit and veg and hay, which are normally given by the public. But donations have dropped during the pandemic and they also haven't been able to raise money by holding open days. You can find out how you can help at kentonline.co.uk. Now, if you've got a full-time job and still live at home with your parents... Being a foster carer probably isn't the first thing you'd think of taking on. But one Kent woman has done just that and spoken about the experience. Beth Earnshaw lives in Swanley and is a teaching assistant, but has wanted to do fostering since she was in sixth form. The 25-year-old has now qualified as a guardian after getting in touch with the Diagrama Foundation. Becoming a foster carer has been a very long-term dream. Um, it's been since I was back at school. Um, and it's been very thought through and researched. Um, I was aware that my situation was quite different from what I'd heard other foster carers are um, because I'm single and younger and still living with my parents. But speaking to um, a social worker from Diagrama, she was very positive about them wanting to support people from different walks of life becoming foster carers. So I think the fostering journey is going to have a lot of ups and downs. I have no rose-tinted spectacles about it always being glorious and easy and wonderful and rewarding but I am excited about the prospect of being able to input into a child's life. So when I first told my boss she was very excited for me um, and very very positive but also really supportive um, and understanding of if she'd need to be a bit flexible about my hours if things cropped up or if I needed to be at home for a couple of days or anything like that um, so she was she was really really supportive and very understanding. I have a really good relationship with my parents and the way they parented me has been really helpful with how I deal with children anyway. Um, so having people around, more people around who will be very much there to be able to support me emotionally through this and give advice is really helpful. Some sad news from the big cat sanctuary in Smarden near Ashford today where a lion and cheetah have both had to be put down. We're told Kafara and Martin have both been suffering from health conditions. Now we may be in lockdown and it may be winter but one Kent therapist has been telling us how to avoid suffering from SAD. Seasonal affective disorder which is also known as the winter depression 
can make you feel really low and poor weather and a lack of natural light are among contributing factors. But Jacqueline Bell from Tunbridge says it's not all doom and gloom. She's been explaining more to the podcast and has advice on what we can all do to boost our mental health. SAD is just one type of depression. Um, it's always about getting to the underlying issues as well with any sort of depression, looking at the thoughts behind um, and then monitoring, you know, the behaviours that come with that, the physical reactions. Um, so it is all very, very much interlinked. People are stuck indoors and then they feel very low moods and they feel unmotivated. So even though we are allowed to, you know, meet for um, a walk outside with one other person, the moods are going to be very, very low. So people are not going to feel the motivation to actually put on their coats, put on their boots, get dressed warm and actually go out. The lockdown has really uh, brought to the forefront some other underlying issues um, and other underlying problems that they've had. And being in lockdown, they've got more time to actually address these things. And also people are more isolated. So it's someone to speak to, it's someone to actually give direction from. You have to take into account all the little things that a person does throughout the whole week where they're actually out and about getting some sort of natural light. So whether you're on the school run, whether you're going out at your lunch break and you're getting a sandwich, you're still out and about and soaking up that sunlight that your body needs. Obviously in lockdown, all of that's come to a halt. What you can control is what you're eating. You can control the level of sunlight you're getting. You can control your exercise levels. You can actually plan your day and have a bit more structure, getting up at a usual time, going to bed at the usual time. Paul O'Grady has submitted plans for a guest house at his country home in Kent. The TV star who lives in Aldington near Ashford wants to knock down and rebuild a neglected cottage on his land. He also wants to extend his own house. And a comedy drama filmed in Kent is currently among the top 10 most viewed shows in the UK on Netflix. Back to Life, which is set in Hythe and had also been shot in Folkestone and on Romney Marsh, was added to the online streaming service last week. The six-part series is about a woman who attempts a fresh start at life after serving time in prison. Kent Online Sport. Football first and a 19-year-old from Medway has helped Tottenham reach the last 32 of the FA Cup. Midfielder Harvey White from Cuxton started for Spurs last night. They beat 8th-tier Marine 5-0 in the biggest third-round mismatch in the competition's history. Staying with football and it wasn't a good weekend for Gillingham. They were beaten 1-0 by bottom-of-the-table Burton Albion at Priestfield on Saturday. That makes it three League One defeats in a row for the Jills, who are currently 14th. His assistant manager, Paul Rayner. A good last for their 30 minutes. Uh, very disappointing first 45. Um, you know, try to you know change the system, get a few more bodies in the box in the second period. Um, disappointing, really. You can't. You're not going to win three points if you're only playing for uh, 30 minutes of games. You know, we we said last week if we put a 45 minute performance in at Plymouth. We've got to start putting 90 minute performances in. If we do that, if we can play with that less level of performance that we did in the last 45 minutes at Plymouth, the last 30 30 minutes here and then convert that into goals, then we'll win football matches. But uh, we can't just play in, in fits and starts. The level of chances we've missed in the second period there is is frightening and, and good good chances, easy chances. And if you don't put the ball in the net, you're never going to get any points. And, uh, you know, but we should never leave Burton, you know, with anything to hang on to. We shouldn't uh, concede, shouldn't concede from a, a basic set piece in the first half. Gives them something to hang on to. And it was a poor first half performance as well. We never really got hold of the ball. We didn't win. We, didn't, we were out muscled at times in that first period. Uh, once we got to grips with that, so we changed the system. Once we were on the front foot, we created opportunities. 
Unfortunately, just didn't take them. And in cricket, Kent's Joe Denley has dislocated his finger while playing in Australia. He injured his left hand as he was fielding for Brisbane Heat against Sydney Sixers. Well, that's all for today. Thanks very much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app and that will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.